0: So, I'm going to offer a little background before we start the, the message this morning. Um, this is the last week in the series that we've been doing on uh, a life-changing Easter, and um, here, here's the backstory because this is going to seem like an odd message if you don't know the backstory. Uh, what we've been looking at is, is we've been looking at spots in the Old Testament, right, um, that point forward to the, the, the life and work of Jesus. Right, and actually, particularly the sacrifice and the the resurrection, and and so um, like we did, we looked at uh, at Abraham when Abraham was called to offer his son uh, as a as a sacrifice to God, and that that you know we talked about how that was sort of pointing forward um, to God offering His own son, you know, as a sacrifice for our sins. Or uh, we talked about uh, Moses and, and the, the first Passover and, and how that was pointing forward to. Um, to, to the Passover when, when Good Friday and Easter would take place. And so um, we've actually done a whole bunch of Old Testament sermons. And this, this week I, I was looking at it and I said, wow, you know, it's Easter morning and, and I, we're, we're really going to do an Old Testament sermon this morning. And I thought, well, this is what we've been doing, this is what we're going to do. And so um, I, I've been to a lot of Easter services. I've been a Christian for like 25 years, and which happened when I was two. Um, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife, I heard her. I'm chewing <laughs> into that. Um, it, 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 and I, I don't think I've ever heard an Easter sermon like this. And so, um, just, just, you know, buckle in. Um, there, there's this idea that theologians toss around. It's the scarlet thread, right? And the idea is that if you start at the beginning in Genesis and read the whole Old Testament, you'll find a scarlet thread. You'll find this element of every part of the Old Testament that points forward to Jesus. Um, and actually, like if you understand how the Bible's put together, all of the Old Testament points forward to Jesus, and then everything like after the story of Jesus points back to him. Um, Christians understand the life of Christ to be the center of history. Um, the point that God fixes all the brokenness that exists in the world. Um, and, and so, we're looking at the pointing forward this morning. Um, and specifically, we're looking at Jonah. You guys have heard of Jonah? Um, and I've been trying to figure out how to talk about this, and I, how, how how you talk about large fish on Easter. Um, and I figure there's always time for a good fishing story. Uh, <laughs> and I don't have any. Um, I, if you've been fishing with me, you'd understand why. Like some people fish and they and they have a great time. I stand on the shore and look down. Uh, <laughs> although you ever watch those shows of noodling? You know, where they walk up and down the river and they'll stick their hands in the holes and catfish will come up and grab their hands. The story of Jonah is what would happen to me if I ever went noodling. Like, i stick my hand in there, and the fish would come out and swallow me, and that'd be the end of it. Um, Thank you for laughing at that, too. Um, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, start off with this. So, Jonah 1, if you're following along with your Bibles, Jonah 1, 1 to 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amitai. Amat- uh, go to the... Go to the really great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. All right. So a little background here. Nineveh. This is Israel. This is the northern part of, of the country, right? So you got Judah's in the south and Israel's to the north, and they sort of had a divorce at some point, and and you've got you know the Jews in the south and Jews in the north. And you don't get along. They fight each other all the time over a desert, I guess. I don't know because you can never have enough of that. Enough of that. Um, and and. In the north, they were harassed by this group of folks the Assyrians, and the Assyrians eventually conquer Israel and they take everyone away as as um, captives, and they actually never come back. Um, and and so the Israelites they really hate the Assyrians. Everybody with me? It'd be like us and the Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> I love the college kids for laughing at one. <laughs> <laughs> I 'm kidding not the Canadians I uh, um, so that they really take you serious so as the story begins if you were um, if you were, were uh, a, a Judean or if you were like a Jewish person in this part of the world you would hear the beginning line of the story and in your mind you would immediately know that those are the bad guys right Nineveh, they're the bad guys they worship a false God and they they raid our country and they conquer our neighbors, and they're big and scary and tough, and uh, we don't like them, right? So, when you start off with Jonah, go over there and tell them that God's going to squish them, it's sort of like a yeah! You know, this is the place to start the story, right? Um, there's I an mean, unusual part of it, though, I and mean, if you were, again, if you were a first century Jew, this is one of the things you'd pick out. Um, it was normal for prophets to announce destruction, right? They did a lot of it. Um, it was really unusual for God to say, go over there and do it. Usually you did it at home. Why? Well, because if you went to a neighboring country and said, God's going to squish all of you, they would probably kill you. Everybody with me? Um, it, it's just not a popular thing to do. Um, and so God says to Jonah, go over there and tell them it's common. Right? Um, John 1, three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Karshish. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship bound for, the, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, again, first century Jew, you're hearing this. The first thing you're going to realize is the Assyrians are no longer the bad guys. Uh, Jonah is now officially the bad guy. Um, this is the most unheard of thing for you to do. Like for you to not, like for a prophet to not obey God. I mean, it, it's, it's completely inexcusable. Um, there's a line in Amos. Uh, the lion roars, who does not fear? The Lord Yahweh has spoken, who does not, who, or who can but prophesy? Meaning, this is a little like finding a lion, but there are no lions here. Uh, it's a little like stepping out on the porch and finding a grizzly in your front yard. Yeah. Is that some perspective? <laughs> there are grizzlies out there, right? You know, So stepping out and it's there, and it stands up and it roars at you. What are you going to do? You're going to head back in, right? Maybe knock one of the kids down as a sacrifice so you can escape. <laughs> but but you're not going to not react, right? This is a huge deal. And in the same way, if, if God tells a prophet something, you do it. Why? Because God is big, right? And God is pretty tough. And God is really serious when he talks to you about something. Everybody with me? Anybody asleep yet? Good. Uh, they wouldn't have answered if they were asleep. Um, uh, Jonah 1, 4 to 6. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he lay down and fell asleep, or fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Now I'm thinking at this point, first off, Jonah doesn't want God to take notice, right? And he's sleeping because he knows why this is happening. Everybody with me? There's actually a story in the New Testament in the life of Jesus where they're sailing across a lake and um, and Jesus falls asleep and there's a huge storm and they're going to sink and Jesus sleeps right through it. And they finally wake him up, and they're like, hey, we're going to die. And he's like, hey, it's God, right? Like, God makes this weather happen. We're not going to die. And he calls out for the storm to be calm. Like, like, anytime you see a big storm in the sea, there's big stuff happening. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who's responsible for this calamity. It's a little like throwing dice, right? They assign numbers, they throw their dice, and they're like, it's your fault, right? It's like they're all married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> except they couldn't throw a dice they just pointed at the husband um, they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah so they asked him tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us what kind of work do you do where do you come from what is your country from what people are you and he answered I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land this terrified them and they asked what have you done They knew he was running away from the Lord because because he had already told them so. Um, The sea is getting rougher and rougher, so they ask him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? These guys are pretty afraid. They don't want to drown. Anybody okay with drowning? Like, it's it's on my top ten list of the ways I don't want to go, is drowning. Um, And and so they're afraid, and they know it's coming. They're like, what are we supposed to do? What are we doing? Um, Jonah responds, You know, throw me overboard. I skipped a few verses here. Um, throw me overboard. This is the only option you have. And they fight with him. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do it. We'll, we'll row for shore. We'll do something. And he's like, that ain't going to work. You're not getting away from God. I'm not getting away from God. Throw me over. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Um, real quick, the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, like, like, uh, Jewish writers were really good at symbolism. They did a lot of it. And whenever you see the sea, or water, or ocean, or anything, it's associated with death, right? Because, how many of you guys have ever fallen out of a boat to the ocean? Like, like or into a lake, I guess. There's no ocean here. Oh, come on, man, I forgot. Um, there's barely water here. Um, you fall down, and it just goes, right? Like, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And if you're not coming back up, like, you're gone, right? The Jews associated, like, so whenever you read sea or ocean, this is death. And actually, toward the later part of when the Old Testament was written, that shifted, and it became associated with hell, Right? So, so the very idea of throwing him into the sea is is they just condemned him to death. Um, and then a great fish comes along. I read a great article. I'm throwing this in because I know it, because I read it, and I thought, wow, that's cool. Um, in the last 200 years of recorded history, there have been five cases of people who have been swallowed by large fish and survived it. Isn't that crazy? One of them, as long as two and a half days, he was grabbed up by a shark off a whaling ship and the ship chased the shark and finally got him two and a half days later and he smelled bad and it was a really unpleasant experience but he survived it. So, you know, it it does happen. Um, Not just with catfish and Um, noodling. So we're going to jump forward. Um, There's this point in the scriptures, this is uh, Matthew 12, where Jesus is teaching and the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we want a sign. Prove you are who you are. Now, mind you, he's been out teaching all day. He's a blind man earlier. He made a lame man walk. Uh, he probably got a fussy child asleep at some point. Um, like, Jesus has been performing miracles all day. and It is a miracle with fussy children. Um, and, and they're demanding a sign. So they don't really want one because they've already gotten miracles, right? I mean, these guys are, are sort of raising the bar to the point of silly. They say, you know what, give us a sign, give us a sign. And Jesus responds, you know what? people are wicked, and the only sign you're going to believe, actually, not even you're going to believe, the only sign you're going to receive is the sign of Jonah. Um, And actually they see it, and they don't believe it. Right? You ever get anybody who's just set in their ways that even if they saw it, they wouldn't buy it? That's these guys. They so hate Jesus that um, even when they get what they want, they don't believe it. And so Jesus says, look, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish, I will be in the grave for three days. Um, what's going on here is, Jesus tips his hand regarding some of, it's called typology, right? If I used this term about three weeks ago, I'm going to explain what it means again. Anybody ever play with Plato? Really? No one? <laughs> um, Plato, it's you squish it, and you you make it into like like little things, you get the stamps, you can stamp pictures into it. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Paul came up with this word, tupos. Right? It's in Greek as tupos, and it, it means to make an imprint in clay, right? And so whenever we talk about something in the Old Testament, and this Paul started this, whenever we talk about something in the Old Testament that points forward to something in the New Testament, it's an imprint, right? The backstory is the imprint of the story of Jesus. And Jonah, Jesus tipped his hand, he said, Jonah, is a story about me. And that's what you're going to get. And they don't believe him. And ultimately, these guys who don't believe him, not long afterwards, they have him arrested. And they have him tortured on trumped-up charges. And the judge tries to let him go, and they demand, no, don't let him go, kill him. And not just kill him, crucify him. You know, we don't want him to just die we want him to die in the most humiliating and horrible way we can possibly think of, and, and we want it to last a little bit. And, and you know what? Like there's a spot in the Old Testament where it says, Cursed is a man who dies by being hung from a tree. Right? Like it's talking about Jesus, really. Um, but the Jews believed that if you were like, hung from a piece of wood, that it was a sign that God hated you. And so they went so far as to say, We want to make sure that the whole world knows God hates this man. That's what they did. He nailed him to a piece of wood. And it took him about six hours, and he died. Um, and he jammed his spear in his belly, right? Or up under his ribs, probably. Um, and and pierced his heart with it. Um, and, and, and they killed him. Um, and they killed him in a way that said, God hates this man. They didn't recognize what the scripture said. Is what the Bible says about this, right? Um, the Bible warns that, that, in Isaiah, it warns that, that this Messiah will come they all carry the sins of his people and that's what happens on Good Friday we talked about this on Good Friday all of his wrath, all of his anger all of his rage against the sins we commit right, and he pours it out on Jesus, the whole thing all of it um, and you and I like, if we choose to follow him if we choose to live in Christ um, God like, switches our permanent record, you know what I'm talking about Do you ever wish that would happen in school <laughs> I do all the time. Um, that that when they looked at him, God saw us and saw all our wickedness, and He just dumped it all out there. And then from there on out, if we're in Christ, what He sees is Jesus, right? So He looks at me, you know, when I stand before the judgment seat because I'm in Christ. He's going to look, and instead of seeing Eric, who who has all kinds of sin that he commits, just ask my wife, um, and He'll see Jesus. instead. That's what we celebrate for Good Friday and Easter, right? Um, And Jesus warns them, hey, this is going to happen. But that's just Friday, right? Um, Lots of people die. It happens every day. And in fact, don't tell anyone, there's a 100% mortality rate right now. Everyone goes. Like, I know it's shocking college kids. You will all die one day. I thought I was in war when I was young, too. Um, But Jesus tips his hand. And actually, we find the whole story here. Jonah, right, when Jonah's there and the sea is raging and God is, is, you know, like shaking up the world, Jonah says, throw me over, right? Jesus, when they arrest him, they they literally, they come along and and they they go to arrest him. And Peter grabs a sword and starts fighting these guys and cuts off one of their ears. And Jesus says, stop, 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 stop. And he puts the ear back on. And he says, you know what, I'm I'm the son of God. I can call 10,000 angels out of the sky right now and end this nobody does anything, I don't let them. Jonah was tossed in the sea because he willingly went. Jesus went to the cross because he willingly went for you. Three days in the grave. Jonah was in in the big fish for three days. He was as good as dead for three days, right? And Jesus, they took him down and they buried him. And they rolled a giant stone in front of it. And for three days... He was gone. But he didn't stay there. The resurrection, I meaning Jesus coming back, and actually with Jonah, it's the spitting out, right? This shows up and spitting out. Um, results in preaching. Like, like people go out and we, we preach the resurrection. Why do we preach the resurrection? Well, because when Jesus raised from the dead, it was proof that people will come back one day. You, me, and everybody you ever knew will one day rise again and stand before God. Um, and Jesus is the beginning of that. He's the proof of that. Um, and then people say, oh yeah, prove your God's real. Well, I got, you know, four eyewitnesses in the, actually, no, in the New Testament, I got seven eyewitnesses who saw the birth, or the resurrection, right? Of those seven people, all but one was tortured to death, swearing he saw it. And you got about another five guys who weren't Christians who wrote about it. Um, there's evidence everywhere, Right? And actually, just like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you won't even believe it when you get that sign. There are a lot of folks that will see that evidence and say, well, I don't buy that. Eyewitnesses, haven't you got a picture? What about Polaroids? Those are that old, right? They are. Oh. Um, but the preaching of good news and salvation comes from that. Um, Jonah goes, and he walks into Nineveh, and actually he does the bare minimum. It's, it's the opposite of an Eric sermon. Right? Like he walks in and he announces in the middle of town, you know, hey, you know what? God's going to kill all of you. <laughs> you have 40 days and it's going to happen and that's it. And then he turns around and he leaves. Unlike me, I would have been there three hours. Um, <laughs> or it would have felt like it. Um, <laughs> and he, he goes and he camps out outside of the city ready to watch the fireworks. Yeah! Bring it on, right? Um, Christ spends 40 days preaching. But like he goes and he spends 40 days preaching. It's just another parallel. And in the end, by the way, Nineveh isn't destroyed because the people are like, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. Let's, let's do something. And the king hears about it and he says, all right, everybody stop eating. We're all going to fast. And everybody say sorry to God. We're going to sacrifice to the Hebrew God for a month and a half here. And he doesn't destroy them in the end. And actually we find out Jonah's motives at this point. Jonah says, you know what, God, this is why I didn't want to do this because I knew you wouldn't kill me. And I wasn't okay with that. Because they were bad. Anybody ever know somebody like that that's so wicked it seems like they deserve it? I, I watched a documentary on uh, Russian prisons. last uh, week speaking like the worst Russian prisoners ever, you know. And, and these guys are all pretty bad. Like, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, these guys really should have been executed. Why are they imprisoning them, right? This is part of how our sin makes us, right? I rebel against God every day. I have a squishing coming. I deserve punishment. God forgive me in Jesus. God forgave, forgave Nineveh. And we have our last parallel, right? Like, like the whole Old Testament. And is just one example. Points forward to this story. Points forward to God's plan in everything. To, to get you back. To get you back from your sin. To save you from the grave. Because even though we all die, we have proof that we'll all come back. When we celebrate on on Easter. We celebrate that that group is there. You know, death isn't the end for any of us. Forgiveness, grace, hope—that's what we have in store. So, what does this mean for us? Um, you know, it's great to hear about it, and and once a year we trot out and We attend our Easter service, and 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 you know, we do this. But what does it even mean? What's the point? Well, I'll tell you, first starter, um, you need to recognize that God has saved you. That that God would go to any length to save you, including like giving up His own Son. Any length. Um, the resurrection is proof of this, and we should live like we'll live forever. Now, mind you, we're all going to die, but we'll all come back. Eternal life, though, starts now. <clears throat> And the more you grab onto the things of this world, the more you try to hold on to them, they're all gone, right? The only thing that will last forever is human beings. <laughs> and so what we do now, the way we live, makes a difference. You know, are you going to walk into heaven close to God, or are you going to face God? Or not. I suggest you figure that out. It's a big one. We need to recognize that Jesus is our salvation. Like if... If we say I've heard this story and I don't care, that's a huge thing, isn't it? If I sent my, where I'm a son a few months here, if I sent my son to to die for someone, and then they turned around and said, you know what, I don't, I don't care, that would be hard, wouldn't it? Like this is our way out. It's like the last last lifeboat on the Titanic, right? I'm not gonna make on the um, it's like the last lifeboat on the Titanic. It's the last way out. This is what God offers for us. This is what we celebrate. There's a way out of the ground. There's a way out of the fish. Jesus saves us. This is what all of this is. We celebrate that death is not the end. We're going to close in prayer. I think we have one more song. Right? Um, and I want to challenge you, if some of you that that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't follow God, that this isn't your life. My challenge for you this morning is to to evaluate where you're at. Um, Do you live like somebody who will live forever? Do you live like somebody who's covered by this forgiveness that God offers us? Is he saying to do? Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for the gift of Christ. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for lining up all of history to cover our sins and reconcile us to you. Um, we praise you for being a God that loves us that much. pray that you would uh, touch our hearts today and want us to be open to it. Um, I pray that this day wouldn't just change our day, wouldn't just change our diet, wouldn't just change our Sunday habits, but that it would change us to the very core and make us people who live like the resurrection happened and like we'll be resurrected one day. pray that in Christ's name. Amen.